0: Happy Sabbath, everyone. Happy Sabbath. Wasn't that beautiful music? Amen. I feel the angels are singing right along with you. So Amen. praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good. I'm, I'm tempted to say Merry Christmas, too, as well. Uh, you know, this is not something you normally expect in, in April, but uh, that's okay. That's all right. It's beautiful, though, isn't it? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. beautiful. Praise God for his nature. Praise God for the privilege we have to come here and worship the Lord on his Sabbath day. And so we're thankful that you're here. Uh, as I'm thankful for the invitation again, uh, Brother Elvis. Uh, uh, we talked about the idea of maybe doing something like this, having a seminar on the area of specialty that I work with, uh, working in multicultural ministries. I work with a variety of different pe- uh, people from different backgrounds, different cultures. And uh, recognizing there's a need of understanding a need of, uh, of appreciating and loving the differences that exist among us, because we're all one in Christ, aren't we not? Amen. We're all one in Christ. So the seminar this afternoon will touch specifically with the issue of understanding the different differences that exist among us uh, as far as culture goes, and yet uh, we can understand each other, work with each other, love one another, and move forward with the mission that God has given us. So that seminar is going to be this afternoon Uh, This summit, what I'm going to have here today is actually uh, in this morning is going to touch a little bit on some of the things I'll be talking about this afternoon. So the sermon is a combination of sermon and also teaching moment too as well. So we hope that you'll get a blessing and an understanding of what God's word has to say to us today. Everything I do is from the word of God. And so we're going to focus on the word of God today. And I know God is going to bless us in a mighty way. Before we begin, I'd like to ask a word of prayer and ask the Lord to be with us. Father, I thank you so much for the privilege we have to be here this morning. As we come to worship you, we pray that your spirit will speak to our hearts. Give us understanding of how we can understand and love one another and how we can move this work forward. And so, God, give us grace, give us understanding, and give us of your peace. This we ask in your wonderful name. Amen. We're going to start out this morning with a video, and uh, and so uh, I'd like to have that video start out. The title of our message is, What Do You See? What Do You See? Word of God. It tells us we're all part of one family, aren't we? The family of God. I don't know if you saw this, uh, uh, happened to catch this story that came on uh, CBS News, but also on Facebook. An interesting uh, situation that came up uh, of an encounter with these three men and also this, uh, this elderly woman. The story goes, what happened this just past week, was that the, these three young men, one of them is, the name is Howard, Jamario Howard, they were sitting together having, uh, waiting for their meal at a restaurant. And when they were having their meal at the restaurant, they happened to notice, one of them happened to notice, that there was a woman that was sitting by herself. She was of age, and she was sitting by herself. And the young man looked at her, and he said, You know, he thought to himself, You know, if it were me, I'd hate to eat what? Alone. Alone. And so this young man thought for a minute and he decided he'd get up. And he went to her at the table and he said, Can I, can I talk with you? Can I sit down with you for a moment? And she said, Sure. So he got to conversing with her for a little bit and he happened to learn from her almost immediately that she had just recently lost her husband and that tomorrow was going to be her 60th wedding anniversary. And so when he said that right away, he said he offered his condolences and asked if she would sit with them at the table. And so all three of them, uh, all four of them sat together with two other men there with her there. And notice uh, this particular uh, comment that he has about the encounter. They were just getting to know each other. They were strangers, but they were starting to be his family. And and, and at the close of his Facebook uh, uh, post, which, by the way, had 58,000 shares, 58,000 shares, he says this, this woman changed my outlook on life and how I look at other people. Everyone has a what? A A story. So do not judge. Everyone has a story. I was impressed to see this situation, people from completely different backgrounds, you know, different race, he's white, he's black, they're young, he's he's of age, but they all found a bond together, and they learned to respect and appreciate each other too as well. Well, today we're going to go through in the Bible of a story. Just like everyone has a story, well, the Bible's full of stories, is that right? right? And so the story here in the scripture is a story of an encounter that Jesus has And the disciples have with a woman. Now, just to give background to this story, which we'll get into in Mark chapter 7, the story takes place in an area known as Tyre. Jesus has been preaching and teaching in Capernaum, uh, which is uh, quite a ways, actually about 30 miles away from Tyre. And he says, I'm going to get out of here. And so he leaves the Jewish community known as Capernaum, which, by the way, I have been to when I was in Israel not too long ago, three or four years ago. Quite a, uh, they still have ruins of that area of Capernaum. And then he walks, and his disciples go all the way 30 miles north to Tyre, to the city of Tyre. Tyre, which is predominantly a Gentile, not a Jewish community, but rather a Gentile community. In fact, Tyre and Sidon, uh, they're all gen- well, basically Gentile for the most part. Jesus decides to leave the, the culture that he's at and go into a different area, different culture, different, uh, different uh, cities, and he visits uh, Tyre. And here's where the story begins, starting from, from uh, Mark chapter 7, starting from verse 24. The Bible says this, Jesus left that place and went to the area around Tyre. When he went into a house, he did not want anyone to know he was there. But he could not be hidden. Wouldn't that be something to hear that Jesus is in the area, this one who works miracles? The first thing you want to do is what? Go over and see where he is. And so it happens, there was a woman who heard about this. A woman whose daughter had what kind of a spirit? An evil spirit in in her heard that he was there. So she quickly came to Jesus and fell at his feet. She was Greek, born in Phoenicia in Syria she begged Jesus to force the demon out of her daughter so she was there with a reason she had a daughter who was very sick she had a daughter who was demon possessed and she went and begged at his feet if she would please if she would please release this woman this her daughter from this uh, from this spirit now she's handicapped right away when you think about it knowing the context of this of the situation the Bible says she's a what a Gentile Syrophoenician Did Jews and Gentiles get along no. no they didn't in fact they hated and despised each other there was strong antipathy towards each other and so she has that against him she he's a Jewish man she is a Gentile the other thing is she's also a woman in the context of the culture of the time women were not well appreciated were not well spoken of and were never and, and were not to be respected Possibly, from what we know, from we gather, and just as just a guess, but a nominal commentator says, probably, possibly she was a single parent. If she was a woman, she was definitely a woman. She was a Gentile. And if she was a single parent, then she then has some real handicaps there. But besides that, she says her daughter does not just have any, any kind of ailment, the daughter has a what? A demon inside of a demon possessed, so now here's a, who she 's in the worst possible situation. This woman who has all these handicaps, a daughter is demon who is demon, and so she knows for the most part and probably recognize for the most part Jews would probably not respect her or treat her well as well as uh, treated her very well and that 's what happened if you go to the Gospel of Matthew, which also recounts the story, interesting the reaction of Jesus and the disciples, especially the disciples. The Bible says in Matthew 15, 23, Jesus, what did he do? Did he answer her? No, it says Jesus, the Bible says Jesus did not answer the woman. So his followers came to Jesus and begged him and said, tell the woman to what? Tell the woman to what? Go away, go away. Go away. She's following us and shouting. Now, here's a woman who is so desperate, whose only daughter is, who's who's in pain, who's who's really, really sick, who has this demon inside her. She's going and asking for help. And the disciple says, go away. Go away. Jesus isn't saying anything. And the disciple's saying, go away. Go away. You know, um, when you talk about ministry, especially cross-cultural ministry, Jesus, by the way, takes every situation as a, as a situation to learn from. Is that right? A lesson to be learned. In the context of what Jesus is doing, which is basically in going to Tyre and Sidon, teaching them about cross-cultural ministry, one thing that he wants to bring out, which we can come out of this, is that when you're ministering across cultures, you must be willing to go what? Outside of your what? Comfort zone. Outside of your comfort zone. Jesus is seeing this situation, and Jesus is seeing the the reaction of the disciples. And basically, he's trying to teach a lesson, which he'll teach later on. We have to be willing to go outside of our comfort zone. In this context, she's treated by a harsh and common reality. One, she was being ignored, because Jesus didn't say a thing initially. Do you like being ignored? It's taught. It's hard, isn't it? It's when you're there and yet you're not there because the people don't see you, that's a hard thing. She was also being treated what? Harshly Harshly too as well. Does that happen in our world today? Does that happen in that world where we ignore people, where we treat people harshly, maybe even don't recognize they're even there? The next thing I'm going to show you is a video now, a video that I'm going to show you of an experiment that was done. An experiment that was done about how individuals who should have been treated well weren't treated well really at all. Let's show this next video, shall we? And her family have lived in New York for like eight years now. She took care of me when I was a little kid because my parents were working. Every Sunday I cook, and so my uncle calls me and um, he'll be like, hey, what you making? Nobody meets in bars anymore, but I I met my wife in a bar, and uh, you know, 34 years later, still working. My grandma had a lot of costumes from the theater that she started. When we were kids, we'd dress up in those costumes and we'd put on little sketches for the family. In My whole life, I've always felt like we were like a team, my brother and I. I think there's nobody who can understand you quite like your family. That's my cousin. That's really weird. I know she's not homeless, uh, because I just hung out with her a couple weeks ago, but I mean, it's, I did not know that that person walking, when I was walking by, it was her. (laughs) It's, you know, things are a lot more real than you expect, so. Homeless, they're people too, aren't they? Aren't they ones that we can pay attention to? Let me share you a story here of how we, our church, where I last pastored, got out of our comfort zone to reach out to a different culture altogether. This is uh, the Karen congregation that now exists in Fort Wayne, Indiana. In, uh, inside of their, They worship in, in the same building where they only have their services downstairs. How did that start? I was pastoring the Fort Wayne Church uh, prior to coming to the Union, and around the year 2001, I get a call from a Catholic uh, refugee agency in Indianapolis, and they said that there were these individuals that were uh, being transported from a refugee camp in Thailand, and they were coming to Fort Wayne, Indiana, of all places. I didn't know at the time that Fort Wayne Indiana, at the time was, had the largest population of Karen refugees in the entire country. And they had said that these particular individuals that were coming, they wanted to associate them with a church that they identified with. In this case, they identified themselves as what? What do you think? Seventh-day Adventists. That's exactly right. They identified as Seventh-day Adventists, and they wondered if the church, our church, would be willing to welcome them and give them the support that they need. As they were becoming to an entirely new environment compared to where they were, and so I got together with the board, and the board, when they when they talked it through, they looked at each other and they said, "Well, they're coming. They're seventh day Adventists. Yes, where they are, family. What do you say? Amen. They are family. We've got to do something." And so uh, we uh, we we got the instructions from the refugee agency as far as helping to. The- up their apartment and, 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 uh, and getting everything together as far as having preparation for teaching them how to maneuver the American life. And so they, they got a committee together, and it was amazing what they went through. They put together a lot of different things, and they, and they really uh, did an excellent job of preparing for their arrival. I remember we went and met them at the airport. They had flown all the way from Thailand, it's made all these different stops, and finally exhausted They arrived in Fort Wayne, and when we met them there at the airport, we had a woman there who spoke their language, the Karen language, and she immediately told them and welcomed them and so forth, and she translated for us and so forth, and so we brought them from the airport to their apartment. And I tell you, when they walked inside the apartment, if you can imagine living for over ten years in a tent in Thailand and being inside a well, totally well-equipped apartment with, with furniture and also all the food that they need that they would use in their context, I tell you, it just brought tears to our eyes to see their response, and our welcome was. We didn't look at them as, as people from, the, from there. We looked at them as family. What do you say? Amen. And so that's one of the things that I think God is calling us to do is to look at people outside of our culture and say how can we support and encourage each other? But you know, it's interesting here. Jesus initially gives, ignores her, as it would have been uh, perceived to be done by people in, the, in their time, Jewish people. But then when he speaks, he says something that is, is very intriguing. What does he say in Mark seven twenty-seven. Jesus told the woman it is not right to take the children's bread and do what? Give and give it to the what? God. To the what? The dogs first let the children eat all they want. Have you ever been called a dog before? Would you find that to be a compliment? No, no. But you know, that was a reflection. Jesus was reflecting the culture of the time. The culture of the time, the biases of the people, of the Jewish people of the time, is that they considered people outside of them as being less than human. As being more animal than anything else, and Jesus is trying to teach a lesson here, and reflecting the cultural attitude of the time. This would be uh, this is something here that Jesus is trying to teach his disciples. He's reflecting their biases. He's reflecting what they would be, how they would behave. And so, in, in considering cross-cultural ministry, we have to recognize one thing. We all have our biases, is that right? We have our biases and we have to recognize them and see where they are and try to fix them. In this particular, as you know, our United States of America here has had a history of bias, reality, is that right? We had a history of bias, we've had it more explicitly done as in the case here of uh, back in the 50s and 60s when segregation was truly brought into this country they were, well, integration was trying to bring to the People who were against integrating blacks and whites together, they would protest. We would call that explicit bias. But, you know, today, well, that's not, some, that's not something that's condoned today. There is another kind of bias known as implicit bias, which is somewhat different. Explicit bias is what? Expressed directly as the way they did during the times of the civil rights. You're aware of the bias, you operate consciously, and you say things, I like whites more than Latinos. You are just very open and honest about how you feel. However, there's another kind of bias, which is more subconscious. It's expressed indirectly, unaware of bias, operates subconsciously. An example is, for example, sitting further away from a Latino than compared to a white person, sitting away a little separately, a little bit like that. Uh, Microaggressions, Uh, the example that Jesus gave is actually what we would call a microaggression. What is that? It's a subtle but offensive comment or action directed at minority or other non-dominant group that's often unintentional or unconsciously reinforces a stereotype. Microaggressions could be things like saying, I don't see you as black, black, interesting. They did an experiment with with the uh, Fordham University students People of color in Fordham University, they asked them, what were the kind of microaggressions that they received, which really revealed their bias when you talk about it? Here's an example of of a woman who says when she, the one that she hears very common is something like, where are you really what from? Here's another one. What are you? (laughs) You try to figure out you're black, white, and she says, well, I'm human. Of course. Here's another one. So what do you guys speak in, uh, in Japan? Asian, Asian? Another typical bias. Uh, here's one that which he's, in which she says here, he uh, uh, says here, "You don't act like a normal black person." <laughs> Interesting. You don't act like a normal black person. And Courtney, here's uh, something she hears, "I never see you as a, I, I never see you as a black girl." And her response is, what? Open your eyes. And then the Hispanic who doesn't speak a word of Spanish, she says, you don't speak Spanish? You don't speak Spanish at all? The reality is that we all have our, our attitudes, our behaviors, and it's a matter of rec- recognizing where our behaviors come from, where we grew up in and how to recognize them. Bible talks about an example of, of, of Peter himself who was confronted by Paul when he saw... His, his apparent bias uh, towards, the, uh, towards the Gentiles. In Galatians 2, you've heard this story before, where the Bible says Peter came to Antioch, and he says, I challenged him to his face because he was wrong. Peter ate with the non-Jewish people until some Jewish people sent from James came to Antioch. And when they arrived, Peter stopped eating with those who weren't what? Jewish. And he separated himself from them. He was afraid of the Jews. That was the reality. And by the way, I'll talk more about this in the afternoon program, somewhat about microaggressions a little bit, give you a, a kind of a funny example about that too as well. What does Jesus say? What does Ellen White say regarding the, the barriers being broken down? Lately we talk about building up walls, but here's what the, Ellen White says, Desire of Ages. The spirit which built up the partition wall between Jew and Gentile is still what? It's still active. Pride and prejudice have built strong walls of separation between different classes of men. Christ and his mission have been misrepresented, and multitudes feel that they are virtually shut away from the ministry of the gospel. But let them not feel that they are shut away from Christ. There are no barriers which man or Satan can erect, but that faith can penetrate. What do you say? And by the way, interesting enough, this woman did have faith. Would you say that? If you know the rest of the story, the Bible tells it very clearly in Mark 7.28. When she heard that sto- when she heard that comment, which was a microaggression, she responds in an interesting way. She says, but she answered, Yes, Lord, but even the what? Even the dogs under the table can eat the children's crumb. <laughs> I can imagine Jesus having one big what smile and hearing that word. That's an amazing woman, would you say? A woman of faith, would you say that? Interesting enough, I I like this comment by C.S. Lewis, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. The fact of the matter is, this woman didn't care what they called her. All she wanted to do is have her daughter be what? Be healed, And so she was willing to surrender her life, surrender her pride, surrender her, 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 her self-esteem, all for the sake of the healing of her, of her son. You know, this reminds me of an interesting story that happened, a real incident that took place back in 1960. In New Orleans, there was a little girl, six-year-old girl, that was brought into what's known as William France Elementary School. Her name is Ruby Bridges. Ruby Bridges. And Ruby Bridges was, going to make, was making history by being the first African-American child to enter into that school. You can imagine the reaction of the people when she was real, allowed to go into that school on that first day. There were crowds of people outside protesting and putting banners and shouting and all anger. She had to be accompanied by, by police by the FBI, by people to walk her into that school. Such an impression this made upon Norman Rockwell that he made this painting. He called it the problem we all live with. And he was just reflecting the reality of what she was facing. Here, this little girl, six years old, was walking into that school. And they had made all kind of threats. I mean, they even had had one person who erected a small miniature coffin with a little doll in there, and that really scared her as he saw that. But interesting enough, she kept coming to school. There was a, she had a teacher by the name, Mrs. Henry. She was the only student in that classroom because all the parents said that their child was not going to be in that school where, where Ruby Bridges was being taught. And so Ruby would go to school and be taught all by herself by this one woman, Mrs. Henry. And one day, Mrs. Henry noticed, when she was looking out the window, that Ruby would stop, would, she walked over, she was walking up the steps of, this, of, the tr- of, the, um, of the school, but then she stopped. And then she turned around, and, she, and her mouth moved. Her mouth moved. And then she went back in. And she did that several times. And the teacher asked her, what, what were you saying to the people? What were you saying to those people out there, those people who were, who were yelling at you? And she said, I wasn't talking to them. She says, you weren't? No, I was praying. I was praying. I said, really? Yeah. And this is what she said. She said, please, God, try to forgive these people because even if they say those bad things, they don't know what they're what? What they're doing. You can forgive them, Lord, just like you did those folks a long time ago when they said terrible things about you. Father, forgive them. Forgive them. That's the spirit of Christ. What do you say? She really, really understood from having learned from her parents the importance of surrendering her life over to God. And, of course, you know the close of this story. After he heard those words from her saw that she was a woman of faith, and at the same time was also teaching the, the disciples the lesson of caring even for the way he considered the least of these, he said these words, because of your answer, you may go. The demon is what? Has left your daughter. And so the woman went home, the Bible says, and found her daughter lying in bed. What do you say? Amen. The demon was God. The demon was God. Jesus performed the miracle for this woman. Jesus performed for this woman who was not, of, her, uh, not of, her, of his culture, and so he teaches this third principle. We must minister with compassion to those who are what? Different for them, different from us. We must minister to everyone, including those who are different from us. Jesus healed her daughter, which serves as a lesson for the disciples. He was there not just to get away, but he was also there to teach a valuable true-to-action true lesson. He says this, he wished to leave an example in his work of mercy toward one of the despised people for the benefit of disciples when he wished when he should no longer be with them. He wished to lead them from their Jewish exclusiveness to be interested in working for others besides their own people. Besides their own people. You know, not too long ago, I was actually maybe about a year or two ago, I went to one of the Spanish churches here and preached at the church in uh, in Chicago. And I noticed when there was a when there was a when I was preaching that there was a woman sitting there, oh Asian woman, look Chinese. She had earphones on. And I was uh, I was preaching, I noticed that she was listening to my message, but it was being translated to her. And so afterwards, then I talked to the pastor in Spanish and asked him, ¿qué está pasando? What's happening? And so he says, oh, she's been coming regularly here to our church, and so we just have this, we have this service where we translate to her into English. She's Chinese. And by the way, the entire community around us is all Chinese. And so we thought we would start this ministry of helping her. She's been bringing some of her friends too as well. What do you say to that? Amen. We need to reach outside of our own culture. Look what she says again here. Those who are workers together with God, who are filled with divine compassion, will see and estimate men in the same way that what? That God sees and estimates them. No one is to be looked upon with indifference or to be regarded as unimportant, for every soul has been purchased with an infinite price. God has given us good news It's not good news just for one group of people. It's good news for the whole world. What do you say? The whole world needs to hear that Jesus uh, is alive, that Jesus is coming again. The world needs to see that we believe that God is love by this verse here that's quoted here. Now I give give you a commandment to what? Love what? Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my what? You know, in this world today, people need to see Seventh-day Adventists as the most loving of people. What do you say? In a world of so much that is so fractured, in a world that's so full of antipathy towards one another, we need to stand out. We need to stand out as people who live by the Bible, not just speak of the Bible, but also live it to as well in how we treat one another. The Bible talks about the one day in which all God's people will be gathered together. You know the scripture well. This is our great hope in Seventh-day Adventist, the soon return of Jesus. He says, after the vision of these things, I looked and there was a great number of people, so many of them that no one could count them. They were from every nation, tribes, people, and language of the earth, all standing before the throne and before the Lamb, wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. They were shouting in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our what? To our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. God wants us to reach out to the whole world. What do you say? Let me ask this question today. Have you thought about reaching out to peoples regardless of where they're from, regardless of their difference in age, regardless of where they come from and so forth? We need to reach out to the world and share with them the good news Share the grace of God and share the good news that Jesus is coming again and that God is is longing to receive them into the kingdom of God. Now, to close here, I'm uh, I'm going to share a final video. Now, this video is interesting because this video shows the example of a church who reached way out of their comfort zone, shared the compassion of Christ share the love of Christ and help this family find know God and trust in God based upon their willingness to share the love of God. So this is a this is a church that actually uh, reached out to this African family uh, in Texas. And so I'd like to show this video to close. i yeah. Father, we thank you so much for being a God of grace. Such amazing grace, Lord, where you came from heaven to this earth, an entirely different background, entirely different culture here, but with one purpose, to save the world and bring them to heaven as you had intended to be. Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, that indeed you teach us lessons of love, clear examples of lessons of love as shown to the simple woman who needed help. I'm thankful, Lord, that you shared shared love to her and that you call upon us to love others. No matter where they are from, they're all part of the family of God. And so, Lord, teach us as a church, as a people, as individuals, to recognize where we need to go beyond our comfort zone, recognize where we are at fault, and reach out in compassion and ministry to others. I'm thankful, Lord, for the Downers Grove Church here, a church that truly wants to follow Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that from this presentation and the afternoon program as well, we can learn more clearly about how we can reach out to others and share with them the grace and love of God. And so I'm thankful, Lord, for you, your Holy Spirit, teaching us and guiding us every step of the way. And I pray, Lord, that indeed your Spirit will speak to our hearts so that we can prepare men and women from all over this community of the soon return of Jesus Christ. So bless us, Lord, and guide us to be faithful to you. This we ask in your precious and wonderful name. Amen.